Thank you, ladies. Please take our Bibles tonight, and let's turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 5. Ephesians, chapter number 5. James and Crystal will be taking Brianna to Pensacola Christian College tomorrow, so you pray for them as they'll be starting a new uh, chapter in their lives. And I know they would appreciate you praying for them and for her, that God will bless her and help her there. And uh, that's where the Clarks are this week as they're getting ready to go back, the kids are, for school. And so let's pray for all of our children that are starting back up to school. No matter what grade it is, it's a big deal. All right, Ephesians chapter number 5. One of the individuals in the Word of God that absolutely amazes me is a guy by the name of Enoch. And the Bible says about him in the book of Genesis that he walked with God. We've been talking about walking with God on Sunday night, and I hope that you desire to do that. I think that surely there's a little bit of an inkling in our hearts here tonight to be here when it's 108, 110 degrees outside, and you here you are on the inside. And boy, it's chilly in here, isn't it? Hmm, boy. You go outside, come back in, and you'll think it's a little chilly. But you know, you can be in a church, and it can be 65 degrees, and it'd be chilly in the service. You know what I mean by that, don't you? Don't you? Yeah, okay, all right, okay. But it's not here tonight. I thank God for you. But I think about Enoch, I think about him walking with God. The Bible says he walked with God and was not. It says for the, it says for God took him. Now that's an amazing statement. The Lord just took him. Now again, I believe with all my heart, he is a great, great type of the church that's going to be taken by the Lord before the judgment of God falls upon this planet once again in severity. Hebrews 11.5 says about Enoch, it says, by faith, he was translated. And that's what's going to happen. I'm going to be translated and transported. That's what's going to happen to me. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. And was not found because God translated him for before he was Before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. God wanted Abraham to walk with him, and Abraham did walk with the Lord. And Jacob and Isaac and these men chose to walk with the Lord. But one of the first men that God wanted to walk with him was the first one that he created. God wanted Adam to walk with him. Remember, it talked about how the Lord would walk with him in the cool of the day. How they would fellowship in the evenings. I wonder how many days passed before the fall that they did that. That God created Adam, breathed into him the breath of life, made someone and something that was in his image. And the Lord said, I believe I'll go fellowship with him this evening. And God went to fellowship with him one evening. And yet... Adam was hiding in the garden. God was looking forward to walking with him and talking with him in the garden. And Adam was hiding. No doubt it grieved the Lord. And I think it grieves the Lord when he has done so much for us to walk with him and we choose not to walk with him. I think about Israel and how that God in the book of Deuteronomy mentions over and over, I want you to walk with me. I just simply want you to walk with me, love me, obey me, honor me in the land of infidels and idolaters. 
They turned their back on him. And God wants the New Testament church to fellowship with him, commune with him, walk with him in a very ungodly, vile, dark, and wicked world. God wants you to fellowship with him. He wants you to walk with him. I said chapter 5. Would you look in chapter 4 and verse number 1? The book of Deuteronomy mentions the word walk more than any other book as far as walking with God in the Old Testament in reference to Israel. The book of Ephesians refers to it more than any other book in the New Testament in reference to the local church and the Christian. Chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I therefore the praise of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you were called. Verse 17, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth, henceforth, since you've been saved, since you've been born again, henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. So the Lord has changed our direction. Chapter 5, verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us. That's our disposition, our attitude, our spirit. And you'll notice in verse 8, the Bible says, For you were sometimes darkness, and now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. It's amazing. Look with me in verse number 15. He says then, see then, verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. The book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians, they're parallel. So much of them are almost identical. And you'll find that we'll look at one of those verses there in just a moment when we talk about walking circumspectly. And he says here that you're to walk distinctly. Now, now, now I need you to look in verse number 15 how many times he uses the word not. So he emphasizes what we should not be doing before he emphasizes what we should be doing. I don't know if that's just the way we are. Sometimes we just need to be told what not to do and then be told what to do. There's a balance. There needs to be a balance of positive and negative. But you'll notice in verse number 15, he says, See then to walk circumspectly, he says, not as fools. God does not want you to walk as a fool. And he said in verse number 17, he says, I don't want you to be unwise. And he says also down in verse number 18, he says, I don't want you to be drunk with wine. And so not as fools, not as, not unwisely, not drunkenly. And so when you talk about walking circumspectly, you're talking about walking cautiously, carefully, distinctly. It means to really, it means to draw some lines and to circumscribe your life so that you have made up your mind that you're not going to cross over certain lines and you're going to live within certain boundaries in order to please the Lord. We're not talking about man-made commandments and man-made religion. We're not talking about those kind of things that oppress people and put them in bondage 
We're talking about you drawing some lines and circumscribing your life so that you are distinct from the way that the world walks. And that you are different from them. That people can notice the difference in the way that you walk and talk and live. So when we talk about not being fools and being unwise and not being drunk, and you begin to draw these lines around you, some of you young ladies who are looking for young men who love the Lord, and you, some of you young men who are looking for young ladies that love the Lord, really you only see some surface things, but you could ask a few questions. You could observe a few things in their life. If I'm looking for an apple tree, I think I know what I'm looking for. Amen. I think I'm looking for a tree that's got apples on it. So I ask them sometimes, who are your companions? Because a wise man does not make companions of fools. A wise man walks with wise people. A companion of fools will be destroyed. So I'm asking you young men, who who influences you? I mean, really, who influences you? I didn't say who tells you what to do. I said who influences you. In other words, when you have the liberty and freedom to make a decision about something, who is impacting you and your decisions? Who is it? Young ladies, who are your heroes and who is it that really impacts your conscience and some of your decisions? Again, Outside of your parents' control and decisions, really, who's impacting you and influencing you? Can you be instructed? We've got three men up here on the front row. Can you be instructed? Can you be told what to do without blowing a gasket? Hmm? Can you? Now, it's one thing to be instructed when you agree with the instructions. But it's another thing when you don't agree with the instructions. Can you follow instructions? So what you're looking for is a young lady that wants to follow instructions and a young man who wants to follow instructions. That's a wise young man who wants to follow the Lord. Can you be corrected? Without being bitter and angry and quitting and running. Can you do some things, uh, uh, you know, without having to be constantly motivated by someone else? Are you an angry person? Are you quick-tempered? And I ask you this, how much influence really does the Bible have on your decision-making? When he talks about not being drunk, can I use that as a principle? Are you given to excess? In verse number 19, or verse number, let's see, verse number 18. Be not drunk with wine where it is excess. Do you let a good thing turn into a bad thing? Do you allow yourself to be controlled by something that God may have given to you for your good, but you seem, or at least maybe it's okay, like food. The Bible says if you're a man given to appetite, put a knife to your throat. 
He said, well, Brother Roger, I, I just can't control my appetite. Well, carry a pocket knife around with you. Next time you get hungry, put that knife up against that throat so you don't do it. When you go stop at that service station and you look at them donuts and them potato chips, get that pocket knife out, put it up against your throat, say, don't do it. Don't do it. I'll kill you. Don't do it. Talk to yourself about it. Don't be a man given not only to appetite, but also to conversation of talking too much. Of always dominating a conversation. Of always always directing the conversation back about you. The Bible says that a fool is known by a multitude of words. And I promise you, a fool always tells more than he knows. A wise man tells less than he knows. He will conceal knowledge. The Bible says. As I've said before, and I've said this at pastor school, and I'll say it to you, and I think I've said it to you before, there's a, there's, there's a couple of guys and a couple of women that make people nervous at a fellowship. And that's when you don't eat much and when you don't talk much. Or if you go to a family gathering, you don't eat much and you don't talk much. Somebody said, they always ask you this question, what's the matter with you? Because they're expecting you to talk, 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 talk. And they're expecting you to eat, 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 eat. But a wise man watches his words. And, and listen, I'm not talking about being a flower on the wall when you go somewhere. I'm not talking about being a wooden Indian. But I am talking about are you, do you, are you guilty of excess? Food and fun. Hey, boys, and I know some of you boys, you like to play video games. I'm just telling you, I'm a generation that just thinks it's a total waste of time. I'll be honest with you. But I understand that there are kids, that men, that are hooked on it. Men that work, work part-time and play full-time. They spend money so they can hook their little selves up and talk to guys on the other side of the world and play their war games. And I'm not saying that's sin. I'm saying it can be sin. It can be because of an excess, you neglect your family and you neglect your job. That's what I'm talking about. That's not walking circumspectly. You don't have any lines drawn in your life with these things. Of, I mean, you got phones, you got tablets, you got so many things in excess. But, 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 but look at this. He said, I'd rather you walk circumspectly, cautiously, carefully, wisely. Draw circles, draw a circle around your life and lines that you won't cross. Now turn with me quickly to Colossians. This, again, I told you this is a sister book to the book of Ephesians, but look in Colossians chapter number 4, and look with me in verse number 5, because this is uh, very similar when he says, walk circumspectly, not as fools, and not unwisely. Well, look what he says here in verse number 5 and verse 6. He says in verse 5, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. And again, twice he said about redeeming the time. He's talking about wasting your life in the light of the fact that Christ is coming back. Redeeming the time, he says, let your speech be always with grace. But I'll tell you what, I can't get Baptists to understand this. I can't get Baptist preachers to understand this. The Lord Jesus Christ was not a mean man. But he was firm. 
And he spoke the truth. And he made people angry. And he divided people because he spoke the truth. He did not speak with guile. But he was a gracious man. He spoke the truth with some grace. You don't have to be ugly to tell the truth. But sometimes when somebody asks you to do something, it doesn't matter how you say, no, I don't believe I want to be a part of that. It doesn't matter how sweet you say that. They get angry with you. And the Bible says here in verse number, look what he says in verse number 5 and 6. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Redeeming the time, let your speech be always, always, always with grace. Seasoned with salt. Now how many of you are guilty of putting too much salt on your food? Raise your hand, raise your hand. Yeah, you know what my son will do sometimes? He'll salt his food before he even tastes his food. I bet some of you do that. I bet you load your food down with salt because you know nobody puts enough salt on it for, to suit you. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like meat that's unsalted. I don't like food that doesn't have any seasoning in it. I like to be able to... I like food with flavor, don't you? I, I really do. My wife's an excellent, excellent cook. When I got married, I only weighed 145 pounds. And it didn't take me long to weigh about 165 and 170 pounds with her cooking. She, I told her she ought to open a restaurant. She keeps telling me no, and I said, you ought to open up a restaurant. I said, she's just an excellent cook. She knows exactly. She's got all kind of stuff in the house. It looks like, you know, somebody that might uh, work at a lab somewhere or a pharmacy somewhere. She's got all kind of stuff in these drawers, and, and they all got different names and labels on them. And when she's cooking a gumbo, she says, no, nah, I just want a touch of this. I just want a touch of that. You know, because when you look at gumbo in a pot, when I grew up, we used to have what was called a, a slop bucket. And you put all the extra water and all the extra stuff out of the dishpan, and all, everything in there for the hog. You know, we had tater peelings. It had extra food off. Rachel you played off. I mean, it just, it was just like, but that's what gumbo looks like. But it's not what it tastes like if it's done right. Right? Now, she knows exactly how to take everything out of there and season it just right to where it is very, very pleasant to the taste. And what the Lord is asking you is quit being a sour pickle and start trying to speak with some grace, but seasoned enough with salt to where that it has an impact and where that it's palatable, but it's tasty, but it's also good for the person that you're speaking to. That's good. Now, what people do sometimes is they say, well, and I, and, and I don't mean this in an ugly way. I'm just telling you this. I, it irritates me when people say this, especially preachers. They'll say stuff like, and they say it almost like they're cussing. They'll say, well, bless God, my responsibility is to speak the truth. If they can't take it, they can just suck it up. Well, that's not what the Bible says. You say, well, he's just a plain spoken man. Well, sometimes it's because he just don't care. 
You call him a plain spoken man, but sometimes he just doesn't care about how it impacts other people. I mean, you got a nurse that'll come in sometimes, Sister Steph, they'll come in with those needles, you know, that are about this long to give you a shot. And, and, and they act like that they're throwing a spear. And then you got some that come in there and they're very kind and gently rub your arm real good with alcohol and kind of deaden everything, pinch your skin a little bit before they put it in there. You don't hardly know it. Now, which one would you prefer? The one that's playing you as a dartboard? Are the one that cares about you. Now I experienced all kind of nurses, Sister Dixie. When I was in the hospital recovering from heart surgery, they had changed shifts about every 18, 12, 18 hours. And the ones that came in that didn't care, they were mean. I mean, they, they did not care. And my wife and my daughters were staying with me and they, they said, hey, there's something wrong with that woman. And what God is saying is, listen, man, I want you to be different. The way you talk to people, how you answer people. I want what you have because what you're carrying is valuable. You are carrying truth. Would to God that people would not be offended by what we have to say because of how we said it. Amen. Listen carefully to me. Sometimes it's not the bread that you're carrying around. Talking about the truth. It's not the bread that you're carrying around. It's the spread you're putting on the bread. Did you understand that? It's the spread you're putting on the bread. It makes it untasty and unpalatable. And you can stand before the Lord and say, Lord, I told him the truth. But it's how you sometimes speak to people. Look what he says. Look in verse number four. That I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Now they are without the church. They are without God. They are without hope. They are without understanding, redeeming the time. Let your Now listen, the world is used to being flattered and lied to. God wants you to tell the truth graciously with a little bit of salt. With a little bit of salt. Now, sometimes you have to wound a person and salt will sting a wound. Is that right? Sometimes that's necessary. The Bible says here in verse number 6, he says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. So somebody's asking you questions because you're light, because you walk distinctly, because you walk circumspectly. Someone def- that said that walking circumspectly is like putting a cat on a, on a, on a fence on the top of a fence. And he's walking the top of that fence and on each side of him are these two pit bulls. And they are doing their very best to reach him. And so he is walking very carefully. And God is saying that when you get up in the morning, understand that you are facing the world, the flesh, and the devil. When you go out in the workforce, there's always kind of landmines laying for you. And God said, listen, I'll go with him, but I want you to walk with me. I want you to walk circumspectly. I want you to walk, really, what he's talking about here is walking effectively and productively and watchfully doing the will of God, graciously and effectively. According to 1 Peter chapter 3, let's turn over there real quick. We're, we, we're almost done already. 1 Peter chapter 3, I asked the Lord to help me to get you all out here early tonight. 
And uh, I won't blame it on him if I keep you over time. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Notice what he says here. This, this is, if you, if, if it appears that you have walked in such a distinct and peculiar manner that someone asks you a few questions, the Bible says, this is what I want you to do. He says in 1 Peter 3 and verse number 15. He says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience. That whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. Let's go back to, I hope you, keep, hope you kept your finger there in Colossians. I don't want to show that to you. I need you to turn to Romans. I'm sorry. Romans 13. Romans 13. Let's look at another passage and then I'm done. Okay? Romans 13. My Heavenly Father desires that I walk with Him daily. He asks and wants me to walk in a peculiar manner. Not weird, but peculiar. Distinctly. When the men are cursing around me, I'm the one that doesn't curse. That's what he wants. When the men are lustful and talking about filthy and vile and dirty and lascivious things, I don't participate. That makes me stand out. I don't even have to try. It just makes me stand out. When men are passing around a fifth of whiskey or a Bud Light and I say, no, I don't think so, it makes me stand out. You understand? I'm trying to. Okay, some of you kids, you get together, and it might be even some of you kids that get around and nobody's watching what you're doing, and you want to show somebody something on the phone that should not be being shown, and that kid says, no, I ain't looking at that. And what you're doing is you're standing out. And when you get around other teenagers, they put pressure on you to do things, and that pressure is real, and you feel it, and you want to fit in. But yet you say, you know what, I'd better walk with the Lord. You'll stand out. (laughs) You'll stand out. And so the Lord is saying here, listen, I want you to walk circumspectly in an ungodly world. By the way, if you just show up for work nowadays, on time. Matter of fact, not just on time, Brother Peyton, but before time. Amen. Don't come sliding in on two wheels right right the time you're supposed to clock in. But get there a little early, get all the cobwebs out of your eyes and out of your head, and be ready to go. Be able to pass a drug test. And be able, for the word to say, yes, sir, and uh, yes, ma'am, and no, sir, and no, ma'am. Yes, sir. And just simply do what you're told. I saw where uh, they were talking about some of the greatest coaches that have ever coached football teams, like Bear Bryant and uh, Vince Lombardi and guys like that. He said, and some of these other guys, uh, even the guy that's up there with the Patriots, I forget his name. What's his name, Brother Travis? Belichick. I guess I forget his name because I don't like the Patriots. I choose not to remember his name. They all have the same thing. They said, hey, just, just to show up. And they told these boys, they said, just show up on time. Listen to instruction. And then do what you're told. That's what they ask of them. Those three things. Show up on time. 
Listen to instruction and do what you've been told to do. And you'll make it. I think it was the coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers that took him to all those Super Bowls. I choose to forget his name too. Knox, I believe, might have been his last name. No. No. Not Tomlin. He only took him to one and won. No, no. Chuck, no. Listen, son, I'm older than you are. I got it. It's Chuck, no. <laughs> this is back in the day when you were about this small, okay? Chuck, no. That's his name. But he said, look. He said, you're a professional football player. If I have to motivate you to do your job, you're fired. And if somebody took the time to hire you and pay you, why would they should have to motivate you to do your job? Yeah. Amen? That's right. And so if you just show up, do your work, don't cuss, don't drink, and don't uh, be lustful and, and lascivious in these dirty jokes and the filthy language that they participate in and always being suggestive, and speak well of your wife, on the job, speak well of your husband on the job, you'll stand out. You will be circumspect. And he says, if you'll do this, if you'll walk wisely, he said, if you'll do this, look look in Romans 13 with me, please. Look right here in Romans 13. Look what he's talking about, redeeming the time, quit wasting your time, quit wasting my time, quit wasting God's time. You don't have but just so much time. In Romans 13, look what he says right here at the end of this chapter. It's powerful. He says uh, here in verse number 11, he says, and by the way, the book of Ephesians talks about, about waking out of sleep. Wake up. He says in verse 11, I preached a message here many years ago. I remember studying, I enjoy studying about people who've been in comas for years. And then they wake up. Now that, that, that person is, is not dead. They're actually breathing, and they're alive, and they're not dead, but they're doing absolutely nothing for years. Then all of a sudden, they wake up. And what the Lord is saying is, is that there's some Christians that, that, are, that are among the walking dead. They walk around in a coma. And God says, I want you to wake up. Look what he says in Romans 13. He says in verse number 11, he says, and that knowing the time. Do you know what time it is? I'll tell you, it's getting close. But Scott, I know you read a lot on eschatology, and I appreciate that. If I have any question about the updates, I'll ask him. But I saw the other day that the Euphrates River was drying up. And that's one of the greatest prophecies in the Word of God, that the kings of the east will go across that river. And buddy, it's drying up. I'm talking about in the last three years, it's going to come down to a trickle. And I'm just saying, do you know what time it is? It's almost time. Verse 11 says that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Getting closer. Look at verse 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Talking about the day of the Lord. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. There you are walking circumspectly, differently, wisely, honorably, godly, peculiarly. Verse number 13 says, let us walk honestly. Did you know that's mentioned again in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 where he's talking about the rapture of the church? 
He said, let us walk honestly. Honestly. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Do you realize in verse number 13, you're wasting your time being a party animal? You're wasting precious days, nights, and years of your life. And it'll cut it short, too, by the way. When you fool around in chambering and wantonness, that has to do with fornication, lasciviousness, and wickedness. You're wasting your time. And your health and strife and envying, when you are arguing and debating and in conflict with people that causes drama and that causes pain and heartache and division, you're wasting your time and their time. And God says that I don't want you to do that. He said, I want you to walk with me. Walk with me. Come and walk with me. And I think Enoch did. Enoch did not know that one day that God was going to take him. He just wanted to walk with the Lord. And he lived in a time where people were scoffing and mocking. They were ungodly, according to the book of Jude. They were wicked, wicked days in which he lived. Maze Jackson said that there are three kinds of people that the Russians had their cosmonauts, the Americans have their astronauts, and God has his was-nots. And he said, Enoch was not. He was taken. And one of these days, I'm going to be a was-not. I'm going to be taken. And I'm getting ready for that. But I want to live in such a way. The Bible says if I have that hope, it will purify me and I'll be ready uh, with that hope in my heart that the Lord's coming back soon. I want to thank the Lord for these young people that come to class on Sunday morning for their college and career. You're at a critical time in your life of making decisions in your life that will affect you for the rest of your life. I pray that you'll want the will of God more than anything else. I pray that you would not waste your life. And in closing, I want to say to you that God wants you to walk circumspectly. He wants you to work, to, to walk efficiently. Don't waste your time. And to walk graciously and wisely. We heard a message about that Wednesday night. Can I say to you that if you want to walk wisely, you're going to have to have a little bit of wisdom. Do you agree with that? And not be a fool? And if you want to walk, walk, walk wisely, Brother Terry, you're going to have to, number one, accept the fact that you need the wisdom of God. You have to acknowledge the fact that you need it. And you're going to have to then, number two, ask God for it. Because wisdom comes from above. So you have to ask Him for it. You've got to believe Him for it. He says, if you're going to ask me, ask without doubting. Ask without wavering, because I want to give it to you. God wants you to have it more than you want to have it. And then when God, then you've got to receive it when God begins to send it your way. You know how he gives it to you? Sometimes, Brother Robert, he will send it, I call it intuitively. Or by your intuition. Sometimes God just turns the light on. He impresses something upon your heart. and gives you the answer to what you're going through. He just shows you what to do. I like it when it's like that. 
I wish it was like that every time. I do. But sometimes it comes by way of instruction. And sometimes I have to do some research on the subject, study it out, and look at some facts about the situation and figure some things out, be willing to be instructed and also willing to be corrected. Because sometimes God will give me wisdom through somebody else's writings or somebody else's experiences. I don't have to experience everything to acquire wisdom. I think wise men learn from the experience of fools. And then sometimes the Lord will will just give wisdom, you know, through simply coming to church and hearing the Word of God and God gives you insight through the Scriptures and shows you something and you say, that's the answer right there. But you got to put yourself in a position to want the wisdom of God. You ask Him for it. Believe he wants you to have it. Now listen, you got to make a lot of decisions in life. Walk wisely. Don't be a fool. Don't, don't just react to your impulses and your feelings. Ask God to help you. He will. If you had a bunch of kids and they were growing up and they were about 15 to 18 to 20 years of age, if they came to you and said, Dad, Mom, I need to talk to you, could you counsel me on this decision right here? How would you feel about that? Would you be offended? Or would you say, look, I told you everything when you were 10 years old. Why are you asking me now? Or would you say, man, I appreciate you coming to me. Let's sit down here and talk. God says he will not upbraid you, but he'll give it to you. Amen? Amen. How about as a church that we walk circumspectly, wisely, not as fools? Efficiently, not wasting our time. We got three things back there on the board in the building next door. If we're going to do something here, shouldn't there be a purpose to it? Shouldn't it be to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ in everything that we do? Or maybe to evangelize the sinner? Or maybe to edify the saint? But not just to be doing to be doing. Amen. I don't like spending wheels or spending money and wasting money. So I pray that God will help us to walk circumspectly. It'll be pleasing to Him. Wisely, not as fools. Speaking the truth with what? With what? Grace. Grace. Graciously speaking. But what are you going to add to it once in a while? Some salt to it where it has a little bit of seasoning, a little bit of impact. Amen? All right, let's stand together, please.